Now on this question of hope that we've been talking about for the last couple of broadcasts as we are thinking about how to help one another, how to counsel one another as Christians, and we have seen that hope is absolutely essential because if a person doesn't have hope, he won't persevere in doing the things that he needs to do. On this question of hope, we're going to ask today something about uh, how we can give this hope to another person. What is it that we can do to help another person really get hope from the Word of God? Well, let me suggest two things, and those two things are this. First, hope comes when you can point to a specific, concrete way in which the Word of God says that a problem can be solved. It's one thing to talk in platitudes and generalities and abstractions, but it's another thing to speak specifically and concretely about how the Word of God says that problem can be solved. And the second thing is that hope comes when you really apply that word to that individual in a concrete way in his own circumstance. So these two things, to use the Word of God concretely and practically and to use the Word of God in such a way that you're able to need the principles of that problem, uh, of that passage, that you're, or those passages in which you are working, to need those passages and those principles into the dough of the person's life experience. Let's look at those two things for a moment. Too many people use the Scriptures as pious platitudes. Too many preachers do that. Too many preachers preach only abstractions, preach only the kind of uh, vague generalities that are very nice, but nobody knows what to do about those generalities. For instance, a preacher may get up and rightly exhort a congregation, don't just read your Bibles, study your Bibles. Well, that's good, you know. We ought to study our Bibles, and everybody ought to be exhorted to do that. We ought not just read them in some fashion uh, that means that we don't really understand them or get into them. So this is a good exhortation. Now suppose the congregation, after hearing a sermon with an emphasis like that, goes out. And the congregation, uh, on Monday morning, let's say you have uh, 50 people who have never learned how to study their Bibles, never really been concerned about studying their Bibles, just reading them kind of casually before that, determine that they're going to study their Bibles from now on. So Monday morning, they sit down. They say, okay, I'm going to study my Bible now. Well, they do. Turn to the book of Genesis and start reading. They don't know what to do. I mean, you know, they haven't been told what to do differently. And by the time they get through Wednesday afternoon in reading their Bibles and trying all sorts of things with no instructions about how to do it differently, they give up. Now, their intentions were good, but what they did was to try doing the same old thing under the name of something new, and it really panned out in the same old way because it was the same old thing. Now, this is what a lot of people do when they hear the promises of God presented in an abstract rather than concrete and specific way. For example, somebody says, don't worry. Worry is sin. Now, that's right, of course. We're not to worry. Worry is sin because Peter tells us God tells us through Peter that we are to cast all of our care on God. We know in uh, Philippians 4 that Paul says we're to be worried about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving we're to let our requests be made known unto God. 
And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we know that in Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not be anxious or worried, as that word means, verse 34, the last verse in chapter 6. Do not be worried about tomorrow. So, somebody who's worrying comes in. Or you go to somebody who's worrying, terribly worried. Maybe his family's being broken up over worry. Maybe his business is suffering over worry. Maybe all sorts of things are happening. Maybe he's getting an ulcer over worry. And you're concerned about him and you want to help him. So you go to him and you say, don't worry. The Bible says worry is sin. Well, that's good, but if you stop there, you haven't helped him. You've got to tell him how to stop worrying. He has to know what to do specifically, concretely. And you see, when the Bible is presented as abstractions, people turn the Bible off because the Bible then just becomes a very impractical book full of platitudes, full of generalities. But the Bible isn't that kind of a book. The Bible is a useful book, according to Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 16. The Bible is useful, and it's useful in a very practical way. You say, all right, what do you do with that fellow who worries? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 6, and here's how you give hope, by being concrete. It says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What does that mean, you say? Well, here's what it means. It means this, that Jesus is not just telling us not to worry. He's telling us how not to worry. You say, I don't understand it. All right, I'll explain it to you from the passage. Jesus is saying that it's not a matter of not being concerned. You see, that's the problem that so many people have. When you tell them that worry is sin and you've got to turn off your worry, they think that means turning off your emotions. You can't turn off emotions like you turn off a light switch. They look around, they say, I, I don't know how to do this. I have no switch. There's none built in. God didn't make me that way. All right. You say, well, it's not a matter of turning off your emotions. It's a matter, Jesus says, of turning them around. Your concern is good, but your concern has the wrong focus. You are worried and concerned and anxious about tomorrow. But tomorrow isn't here and you can't use the energies that concern produces in your body to do anything about tomorrow. So all those energies that are released in your body in chemical form and muscular tension and so on, all of those energies are working on you instead of working on the problem. But Jesus doesn't tell you to turn off your anxiety or worry. He says turn the focus of it around. Focus instead upon today. Don't focus your concern upon tomorrow. It isn't here. You can't do anything about it. Focus your concern upon today because today has enough problems of its own to handle. And if you pour all of the energies that your concern, which is proper and good and right, but if you pour all of the energies of that concern into solving today's problems, then you won't worry. And if you worry, you won't work today. The two go hand in hand. It's either work or worry. All right, so the first thing you do in helping another person then is to practically use the Word of God. Use it in a very concrete how-to fashion that shows people exactly what to do because that's exactly what the Bible does do, tells people how to solve their problems. And the second thing is, is that, as I said, you need to knead that into the dough of their particular life difficulty. Let's say the man is having difficulty at work. Let's say that he doesn't know what to, uh, what to do next. Let's say the problems are thicker than he even begins to realize. 
Well, you say to him, now this is what this means. You do what you can about planning for tomorrow, and you leave that in God's hands, as James says, for his blue penciling. Now, you turn your concerns to what you can do today. Let's get down on paper what today's job really consists of. What is it that I can do today? How much can I reasonably be expected by God to accomplish? And therefore, go to work on those, not on what may come tomorrow. You don't even know what tomorrow holds or whether you'll meet tomorrow. You go to work hard on what you can do today and let God take care of tomorrow. Only today belongs to you. Tomorrow belongs to God. Don't try to steal it from him. Go hard to work on sawing down the eight or ten trees that you can take down today. And if you take down eight or ten today and eight or ten tomorrow and eight or ten the next day, the first thing you know you're going to see daylight in the woods. Lord, we're thankful that the Bible is practical. Help us never to turn it into abstract platitudes, we pray, as we help others for Jesus' sake. Amen.